Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Govs on the Go Alumni Edition, a podcast featuring alumni from the College of Arts and Letters here at Austin P. State University. My name is Dr. Buzzoon. I'm the dean of the college. I'm also the host of the podcast. Today, I'm talking with Susan Lawrence, who graduated from Austin P. with an English degree back in 2014. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you came highly recommended because I know that uh, I think recently you spoke to some of our students and yes. uh, and uh, the faculty just are, are were raving about you and said, you need to have Susan on the podcast. And so well, we're going to, so you came highly recommended. So let's give everybody a life update. Tell them what's going on in your life right now. Sure. So I have been a federal contractor for eight years. Uh, I really enjoy the work that I'm doing. I relocated across the country, which I'll talk about a little bit more later. Um, and then when COVID happened, was able to come back home to my my home base of Clarksville and work here. Uh, I really enjoy the work that I am doing now. I'm a Department of Defense federal contractor, um, and I, I love it. That's great. <clears throat> and I think uh, you mentioned coming back to Clarksville because um, you mentioned to me that you had uh, grown up in Clarksville. And that I always like to ask people, what was it like for you? You know, what kind of memories do you have and how do you think that impacted your own uh, personal situation and where you are in life? So I feel very rooted in Clarksville, obviously. Um, I like to joke that I was born at Publix in the Publix parking lot because that was the site of Clarksville <laughs> yep. Memorial Hospital. Um, I am also uh, proud uh, and a little concerned about the fact that I can tell people, I, I predate the Sonic. I predate the Walmart on Madison Street. I remember when the Kmart was there. Um, so I remember the town when it was quite a bit different than it is now. Um, I also have deep roots at Austin P. My mother is an Austin P. alum, uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later as well. I love Clarksville. It's an unusual city, I think, uh, because of the military base and because of Austin P. And it, it's what makes Clarksville what it is. Nice. And, you know, I do like to ask about things that may have impacted you. And you mentioned to me that you're an avid reader. And I'm wondering at some point in time, would, did, did that develop early on uh, for you as a child? Yes. So my mother laughs now because I was afraid to go to first grade because I, I was afraid to learn how to read. I thought uh, that it would be going to be very difficult. And I thought that you had to read a new word each time you read a word. I didn't didn't understand the concept of building a vocabulary um, as an only child raised in Sango, uh, it, which was very rural, much more rural than it is now. I books were my friends. They were my escape. They were my solace. Um, my favorite book was A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Um, and then I read uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, that was a huge influence. Um, Matilda was, was a huge book for me. Um, so I created this world uh, in my mind. Um, and I was able to have this vivid life uh, while I was sitting upstairs in the my attic loft of my parents' bedroom in, in Sango, I traveled all over the world and um, had lots of different experiences and, and, you know, just through reading and through stories. And I I developed a love for language. 
And as you went through the school system, were there some teachers that may have impacted you and, and encouraged you? Yes, actually. And that that uh, led me to become an English major. It's it's actually, unfortunately, not a positive story. It was a negative experience, mm-hmm. but it's we need those too to yeah. make us who we are. Those are our building blocks as well. I was an avid reader. I was also an avid writer. This would have been sixth or seventh grade. Um, and at Richview, I had a language arts uh, teacher um, who encouraged me to write a story for an essay contest. Um, and all of my teachers knew that I enjoyed reading and writing. And they would allow me to work on this essay, you know, during class when we had free time. And before I submitted the essay to the contest, I asked Uh, my teacher to look it over for me. I still remember this person's name, but I won't say it. Um, I asked this person to look it over for me. And he called my mother and said that he had conferred with another teacher and they did not want me to enter the essay because they felt strongly that I had plagiarized it. And my mother said, well, why do you think that she plagiarized it? And he said, the writing is too good. Um, so my mother went back and she read the the piece that I had written. And it, I think it was, you know, influenced by Little House on the Prairie. I remember trying to write, you know, about this lifestyle that was very different to anything that I would have had. But I was a huge fan of the Little House on the Prairie series. And my mother said that she noticed something that I wrote was uh, using starch, um, spray starch on a collar, which is I ironed my father's work shirts um, and she said she noticed that mistake and that's how she knew it wasn't plagiarized, but I stopped writing. Um, And then I took a composition class, you know, as a probably the second semester of my freshman year with Dr. Trevelli and he encouraged me to keep writing. Um, He encouraged me to open that self, open that part of myself back up. So I actually wrote uh, an essay for him about that experience and and how it affected me. Um, our teachers and the adults in our life have such a huge impact on us as children. I think that surpasses anything that we're cognizant of as adults. We leave that piece of childhood behind. So that's an experience that I'm very grateful for. Um, I was uh, initially a nursing major when I started out. And because of um, Dr. Cervelli and his influence and Barry Ketterman and his influence and then other professors along the way, um, I redeveloped my love for writing. And that has led me to the career and, and satisfaction that I have right now. That's amazing. And it reminds us as teachers what our our, our real uh, role in, in life is, is, you know, is about the encouragement and development of a young person um, and hopefully not to stifle. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm so glad that this it, it, it is a good story that for you that has the outcome um, that shows your perseverance and um and that that's that's the good part of this. Now, the other thing that you shared with me is that you came to Austin P as a non-traditional student. Um, and I wanted to know if you could share a little bit about the trials of, of, of once again, a perseverance for you um, to make that happen. Absolutely. So in. I graduated in 2014, but my college journey started in 2004. Uh, It would have been the fall semester of 2004. I had two children 
Uh, I believe I was 21 at that time. And I applied for Austin P. I was working at the Burrito Bungalow, which was on University Avenue. Um, I Similar to, th- there are still buildings there. I'm not sure what's there right now. I think it might be a bar. Uh, So I was working there and, you know, trying to raise my two girls and pregnant with with my third girl. And I knew that the path for me to be able to really excel for my children was going to be higher education. I wasn't satisfied with the work that I was doing, and I wasn't satisfied with the life that I was able to provide for them. I was on government assistance, receiving welfare and food stamps, um, and was very grateful to to be able to make ends meet in that way. But I wanted to be self-sufficient and self-reliant. I did not actually graduate from high school. I got my GED from the Greenwood Adult Education Center, uh, I think when I was 19 or 20. And I took a shot and I applied to Austin P. And at the same time I applied at Austin P, I also applied for a job in the food court at Austin P. And um, fate being what it is, I was accepted to Austin P and I was also offered a job in the food court. So at this time, I didn't have a driver's license or a car or know how to drive a car. Uh, My husband, I think, would argue that I still don't know how to drive a car, but that's a story for another day. (laughs) Um, So I would get up in the morning, uh, get myself and the girls ready, drop them off at daycare, and I would ride the bus from uh, Kitty Land on Madison Street over to Austin P. And I attended classes from 8 a.m. until about 3 or 3.30. And I would change clothes into my work uniform um, at the uni- in the university center. And then I would work in the food court from, I think, 4 to 10 or 10.30. And then I would walk home. Uh, and I remember I called my mother on, on my walk home every evening. She was worried about my safety. Uh, and I would talk to her for the about mile and a half walk. And I did that until I was probably eight and a half months pregnant. Um and my daughter was born January 2nd, uh, and I worked and attended school until the last class of that semester in December. So I would have been very heavily pregnant. Yeah. Luckily, the next semester, I got a car and uh, was able to uh, learn how to drive, sort of, depending on who you ask. Um, and it, it that is, I think, one of the single most important experiences that I had in my life. I had a lot of self-esteem issues, um, a lot of self-doubt. And my mother, who has always been my staunchest supporter, said, I think you're taking on too much. I don't think anybody can do this. And if you tell me that I can't do something, I will likely prove out to set you wrong. Um, And and I did. And, And I surprised my parents, I surprised my family, my friends, I surprised myself. Uh, And what I learned is when you put yourself through those challenging situations, what you do is you give yourself an opportunity to succeed and you give yourself an opportunity to show that you, you can be everything that you choose to be. It's hard work, it's dedication, and it is also a good, strong support system. Wow. And it's so amazing that story, Susan, and and I hope I, and I'm sure your, your children realize this and what a, a path you have uh, laid out for them by saying, you know, when you, this is an example of how you can work towards what you want in life and go out and do it. Absolutely. Um, and I'm glad that you brought your mom back into the story because I think, you know, as you said, um, we never get anywhere on our own. And there are people along 
all of the different routes of our path that are, are lifting us up and supporting us and saying um, different things to keep us going. And, and uh, it, it, I do think it's you and I have a lot in common in terms of uh, <laughs> if you if somebody says you can't do it, then we're going to show them uh, that it can be done. Um, along the way, I'm sure you had some professors and, and uh, uh, you know, some instances of um, here at, in Harned Hall. Can you talk a little bit about some of your favorite professors and classes that you enjoy taking? Oh, I would love to. I would love to. So Dr. Trevelli uh, relit my passion for literature. Um, and he also is a juxtaposition of what a great teacher can do. You know, I had that negative experience, but then I had this experience of someone who said, I see that you can do this. And it was it was what I needed to put my feet back on the ground and, and give me some some confidence to get started. Um, so he suggested that I take some more classes. So the next class that I took was with Barry Kitterman. Um, and it was a poetry class and I hated poetry, but he made it so much fun. He, I, he, his demeanor, you know, he has these bright twinkling eyes, um, and just this very calm, uh, but funny personality. Um, and I also had Dr. Wadia. Um, so you have all of these different personalities. You know, Dr. Trevelli is kind of this uh, funky jazz um, literature lover uh, who loved um, uh, Wordsworth and Keats. And then you had Barry Kitterman, who, you know, just had this uh, kind of hippie, fun um, personality. And then Dr. Wadia, who is just so passionate and intense about Shakespeare and technical writing and study abroad. Um, and then Dr. Major, who is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to technical writing. Um, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Sharla Major, um, she is bright and funny. Um, Dr. Williams, I had her for expository writing, I believe, um, and she was so encouraging and kind. Mercy Cannon, um, Dr. Goldstone, th th there were some very strong women in the program who showed me what a successful, pr uh, professional, intelligent, capable woman looks like in, a, in, a, in an industry. Um, and then there were you know, Dr. Wadia, Dr. Major were there, Dr. Trevelli to guide, um, guide us along our way as well. So I just, I feel like I could not possibly have had a better, more well-rounded introduction and education in literature surrounded by not, not just wonderful professors, but wonderful people. Um, and one thing that I would encourage anyone, uh, any students listening is those relationships that you build with your professors will last you a lifetime. I still go, but you know, it's been, I've been graduated for almost 10 years. I still go back and talk to classes. I still speak with my professors. I have relationships with them. I get coffee with them. Uh, they're important people in my life and they always will be. Um, they're always there if I need a recommendation for a job. So those, those, um, those relationships are the building blocks of a successful education and a successful career as well. Um, I loved Dr. Wadia's Shakespeare classes. Um, he brought, yeah, 
depending on your love for literature or not, you know, you might find Shakespeare dusty or um, difficult to read or not relevant. But Dr. Wadia's passion for Shakespeare um, and his his willingness to go above and beyond to show us what Shakespeare was all about, it truly made the difference. Um, Dr. Cannon forced me to recite, I think, part of the Canterbury Tales. And I was terrified, but it was uh, an amazing introduction into public speaking and into creating a presence in a room. She she taught me that. So I just, I cannot say enough positive things about the experiences that I had. Um, and, and another thing, and this is, this is where Harnett Hall really became more of a home for me is because Harnett Hall was my mother's dormitory when she attended Austin P in 1970 or 19, let me see. Yes. Yeah, she, she would have been 1970s in the 1970s that she attended uh, Austin P and, and um, was in Harnett Hall. And she tells the most wonderful story. She met her best friend. It was moving in day. And she walked into, I believe what is now the Mabel Larson gallery and the woman that I came to know as my aunt was sitting there playing the piano beautifully. She said, it's beautiful blonde sitting at the piano playing music. And, you know, I'm picturing long flowery skirts. It's the 70s. Um, and so that's how my mother and her best friend met. And and my Aunt Cindy, that is how she came into, into my mother's life and, and into mine. And she was this huge presence, just a beautiful, she had a beautiful voice and she was a musician and truly an amazing person. So I'm also witness to the, the life that Austin P creates. You know, I, I hope that our students, I hope that prospective students hear this this story because um, as you're as you're telling it, Susan, it makes me think of um, that what you do in writing so often is present a story to people, and and part of this is um, you, it's like other examples of art. You know, whether you paint a picture, um, whether you sing a song, you're putting yourself out there, and it's it's about how you um, get feedback on on how that is developed and how you um, are willing to uh, accept that feedback and move it forward and all that. And, and that is, um, I think, remarkable about when you're talking about all those different people and their influences. Um, they all had a little special touch on your life. Yes, they did. And and that is an influence that doesn't go away. I carry it with me to this day. Um, I have some books that Dr. Eves recommended um, that I still read that are that are powerful books. The same with Dr. Goldstone. Um, they introduced me to words and experiences that I didn't have and that I didn't know. Um, and that is so critical um, in our societies for us to be able to look at others and find the similarities instead of the differences. Um, and that's another incredibly valuable lesson that I learned there. Along the way, you were joining some of the honor societies yes. that are available. You also, I see, were a Zone 3 reader. That is which, correct. Um, so you were you heavily involved uh, as a major. And um, I'm sure that was also... Uh, impactful for you in, in your development? Yes, it was. Um, it 
gave me a chance. Um, I, I also was in the I was the president of the Society for Technical Communication chapter. Uh, so that taught me leadership skills um, and how to not only organize my own schedule, but the schedule of a project. Um, it created, it taught me how to create a project plan. What are our goals? What do we want to accomplish? How do we get there? Um, and uh, Dr. Major was our advisor and was just absolutely amazing. Um, I have wonderful memories of baking cupcakes with uh, Keisha Johnson and Aubrey Collins, who now runs Hoodoo Bam and worked at Austin P for a time, um, Erica Arcadia, who also owns, um, co-owns uh, Hoodoo Bam on um, Franklin Street. I, I remember baking cupcakes with them to sell for bake sales for the STC. I remember my induction into the English Honor Society and the Classics Honor Society, and especially as a non-traditional student and someone who had gone through the adversity um, that I came through, it, it was a totally different experience. I had no idea that I was capable of those things, that I would mm -hmm. achieve those things. And it's not because I'm smarter or a harder worker or um, better than anyone around me. It's because, and I wanted to, uh, to talk about this a little bit earlier. If you don't have a good support system around you, find one, find the people that you are, you are in awe of and surround yourself with them, ask them how they got where they are um, and learn from them. What well, you can never stop learning. Um, but it, it just opened all of these doors for me that I didn't even know were there. It truly was an incredible experience. That's And, and that's the great part of education is that it helps to bring out the best, uh, hopefully in a young person that gives them the confidence as you uh, leave Austin P and you go out into the world. Um, let's talk about your transition to, from, you know, from uh, graduating in 2014 uh, and your first job. Sure. So I um, graduated in in, August, in May of 2014 and frantically searched for a job, you know, with children at home uh, needing, needing to work. Um, and, was very uh, lucky, I think, to find um, a job at Forsex. Um, it was a, at that time, very small um, software company uh, that was started by a 101st Airborne Division pilot um, because he saw a need for certain types of aviation mission management software that were not currently on the market. Um, I think a lot of times we forget to tell our young people, you work hard, you um, can do everything right, but some of it is also being in the right place at the right time, which means you've really got to put yourself out there. But I feel very grateful and lucky to have been in the right place at the right time, you know, with this small business that was that was starting up or it, they had been open for several years, but to have this opportunity starting with them, because that's what built my career. So I started as a documentation specialist um, and absolutely loved it. I discovered uh, that I have a knack for talking to people um, and engaging with people, which is important no matter what you're doing. You have to be able to, to build relationships with people. And I was documenting this very complicated, complex software. And I remember spending the first 
oh, probably six weeks or two months going, well, they're going to fire me. They're going to fire me any day now. They're going to figure out that I'm not smart. I don't know anything, but I didn't give up. Um, I continued to push forward and it was like a light light switch flipped on Uh, all of these these complex complicated terms and um and ideas and concepts started to come to light um and i i realized that sometimes it truly is just about hanging in there and breathing and doing your best until you figure it out as you and that's i hope our our Students especially understand that, that there will be a period of growth, a personal growth, professional growth, that um, everyone feels a little bit overwhelmed at some point. Um, and, and that's OK. That's that's just part of that growth period. Um, and and also that things don't always happen with a, a to B to C, that sometimes we have a journey that takes different routes than we anticipated. Um, did you think that this is going to be where you're going to continue on uh, and and this was the job that you're going to have and that what happened next? So I, uh, I did think that that was where I was going to be forever. Um, and after being with the company for about five months, I had the opportunity to apply for the management position um, within our department. And I did. And did not really expect to receive it. I I knew that I was a strong candidate, but I'd only been with the company for five five months. I'd only been out of college for eight months. So I was going to put my hat in the ring, but I wasn't confident that I would get the job. Uh, and I, but I did. So I went from from being a technical writer or documentation specialist to being the manager um, and having the opportunity uh, and the privilege to lead. Um, a team of of documentation specialists. And I think I learned some of my most valuable lessons there. Um, I learned about what kind of uh, leader I wanted to be. I learned about what kind of leader I did not want to be. Um, I learned about how to motivate people um, and the philosophy that I developed for myself as a manager was that my job was to support my team. If there was an obstacle in their way, it was my job to step in and remove that obstacle so that they could do the good work that they were there to do. Um, It's about mutual respect and trust in a team. Um, And it's about recognizing that no one is perfect. Just because someone doesn't do something the way that you would doesn't negate its value. Uh, that's a hard lesson for me to learn because I can be a perfectionist and I can also be very um, dug in about how I want things done. But I had to force myself to step back and see the value in in doing something differently because it brought something to the table that I couldn't bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's really learning how to uh, work through your ego um, and work within a team. You know, and I, I try to tell people uh, that, especially that wanted an administrative career in higher education, at some point in time, you, you decide how much you're willing to, um, leadership can be a difficult role for, and, and at some point in time, you decide, I, I may have had enough of this and I want to go do what I want to do. Um, so did that happen for you? It did. I um, 
loved the people that I was working with. I loved the team that I was supporting, uh, but I was actually contacted about another opportunity. And like, I was only a technical writer for five months, but it was, it was some of the happiest time of my life because I, I knew that what I was doing, I was great at. I wasn't good at it. I was great at it. Mm. And, and there's no satisfaction quite like that. Um, so I was approached by a headhunter and offered a position uh, in Maryland, which is across the country, uh, nowhere that I'd ever been. Wow. Um, Yes. Uh, and with, you know, a wonderful benefits package and, and salary offer. And so I talked with my husband and the children who were all in um, middle, middle school and high school. And we decided that I would go up uh, and you know, rent an apartment there uh, for a period of time and kind of get the lay of the land. And then my husband and the, the kids would join me afterward, um, you know, after we all kind of got our feet on the ground. So I moved in December of 2019 um, and really enjoyed the work that I was doing, was very challenged. It was unlike anything I'd ever done before. I, I moved from software user manual technical writing to management and then into systems engineering technical writing, uh, which is a, quite a different field. Um, the The nuts and bolts of the job are all the same, but it it was a lot of information to take in. Um, and then in, you know, January, we started hearing about the first cases of COVID. And by March, they had locked down the facility where I worked um, and everyone was working remotely. The children were not going to be going back to school. Uh, my husband is a first responder. So we wanted someone to be here with, we needed someone to be here with the kids in case he got COVID or, you know, was going to be on long shifts where he wasn't going to be able to be home to care for them. So uh, luckily I was able to leave Maryland, keep my job, work fully remote and come home. Uh, it sounds, I, I, it sounds terrible to say this, but I, I say with a grain of salt and some humor, of course, that I'm one of very few people COVID worked out well for um, right. because it gave me the opportunity to come home. So I, I am very grateful for that and see it as a blessing. Yeah, it, it's interesting. My son, who works uh, in insurance, he also ended up working from home and still works from home now. And uh, the world changed. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I try to tell people there was no way we could have anticipated that or predicted that. Um, but uh, so there. what are the challenges? Uh, have you found that there are there are different challenges at working from home uh, as opposed to being on location? Yes. So I people ask me, what what would you prefer? You know, and, and I would really prefer something hybrid where you're in the office maybe one day a week or maybe a few times a month. Um, and then the rest of the time you're working from home. And I do think it depends on your, it depends on a lot of factors. It depends on your personality. It depends on the job that you're doing. It depends on how you interact with other people. Um, it is when I am head down in a document trying to edit or write, it is extremely beneficial to be at home where I can close all the doors and I have solitary space in which to write. But because it is vital to my job to have very interactive relationships with the systems engineers who are creating these, you know, um, enterprise level networks, 
I, it is a disservice to not be able to have that kind of time around the water cooler or the coffee machine. Um, talking about how was your weekend? How are your kids? How was the soccer game on Thursday? Um, you, you lose something in your interpersonal relationships that you're just not going to catch on a team's meeting. Um, so I do, I do miss some parts of it. Technology is always frustrating. Uh, you know, we've all had dropped to Zoom calls or, you know, somebody who forgot to mute their mic, but I think those are minor annoyances. Um, but I, I do feel very happy to be able to work remote. Well, it's the reason that we're doing this right now is that Zoom came along and that provided the opportunity for us to reconnect and re-engage with people in different ways. And that's why I like to do this alumni podcast. And and um, I before I get into my last question, Susan, I'm wondering, any of the kids, avid readers? One of them is. Okay. Only, only one, only one, but I did, I did, I did manage to produce one avid reader. Um, <laughs> so she, she also loves the Wrinkle in Time series. Um, she, she reads a lot of material that's different than what I read, but it, mm-hmm. it does my heart good to see her trotting around with the book. Oh, that's awesome. Um, none of the kids followed my, what I like to do. So <laughs> I have two kids, <laughs> neither of them like to do any of the things that I like to do. So um, uh, I, I can feel you on that. Um, since you have a daughter that's going to be, uh, she just graduated high school. Um, I, I like to ask people what kind of recommendations you would have for both the traditional and non-traditional student that as they enter and maybe something that you've shared with your daughter. Absolutely. Um, first of all, she's going to be a gov. So go govs. Yes. Uh, we're, we're not biased at all in our family. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm very proud of the fact that, and so is she. She's very proud of the fact that she will be a third generation. That's um, awesome. Gov. Um, so what I shared with her and what I would share with anyone is take classes that are outside of your wheelhouse. Take classes that you don't need mm-hmm. to take just because they seem interesting. Um, I took a sociology class Uh, as my elective. So I had to take, you know, an elective, but I chose sociology because it seemed interesting. And I was so captivated by it that I ended up changing my minor uh, to sociology. And I took environmental sociology and I took several other sociology classes. And while I ended up changing my minor so that I could, I changed my minor to professional writing um, so that I would be more marketable on my resume and, and get in those extra classes that would teach me about the skill of technical writing that foundation of sociology and sociological concepts changed who I am as a person. It was absolutely foundational to to opening up the world in a way that I had never seen it before. Um, If you're interested in astronomy, take an astronomy class just because you can. Um, I, college is the time when you can when you get to figure out who you are, you get to have a choice and you get to pick a path for yourself. It's a very um, unique time in your life. And I would encourage people not, not to waste it. I wish that I had gone to more football games at Austin P or basketball games. I was so focused on getting my education and following a path. I forgot to have fun. Um, and so I wish that, that I had, uh, had done some extracurricular activities a little bit more. Um, so I think those two pieces of advice would be 
to pursue things that interest you, even if you're not, you know, even if you're not going to get a degree in astronomy, do it because you can. Um, and don't forget to have a good time. Not too good of a time, just the right amount of a good time. <laughs> just the right amount. Well, I and I still think it's remarkable. Not only did you come back to uh, get your education, you raised a family, you were working. Um, it's really remarkable, your journey. And I'm so thankful that you shared it for our listeners and our viewers. Well, it, I believe that anyone is capable of, of doing that. You have to have a strong support system and you don't even have to believe in yourself to start. You just have to be willing to try. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast, Susan. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. And thanks to all our viewers and listeners out there for checking out the podcast. We hope that you will join us again as we continue to profile some of the outstanding alumni we have in the College of Arts and Letters here at Austin P. State University. So until next time, stay safe, take care, and God bless.